On this episode of the Trade Buzzers podcast, we have our second installment of the Real Talk with Real Trader series, where we sit down and chat with a fellow trader from the Tasty Trade Options Facebook group. Because behind every post, there's a real person with real emotions, real successes and failures, and of course, a real story to share. Today's guest is someone that needs no introduction. It's the man of a thousand contracts himself. Someone I've been watching curiously from the sideline as he seems to post winner after winner and with always the eye-popping amount of contract sizes. I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. So without further ado, please enjoy my chat with Chris Gregson. Hey, Chris, thank you for coming on Real Talk with Real Traders on the Trade Busters podcast. I've been excited myself for, for this interview. I know, um, I don't know if I've been following, but you've been called out on, by a couple of people in the, the Tasty Trade Options group. You've become kind of the, uh, the superstar over there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, thank you for coming on here. And as I mentioned before, this, this episode, these segments are meant to be something kind of a departure from my usual episodes, which are very math heavy and very focused on kind of my strategy, which are for kind of advanced traders. But this gets a chance to bring someone that people recognize, look up to, kind of share your background and, and inspire people. So yeah, again, thanks. Thanks for coming on here. I mean, you're embarrassing me. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let, let's just get started. Kidding, let's just t- tell us a little bit about, you know, how long have you been trading options and how long have you been investing? Sometimes people, you know, do like stocks first or something. They're, like they're honestly about the same for me. So I was a mortgage guy about a decade oh, nice. ago okay. and I have a buddy who is a degenerate gambler, <laughs> like admittedly a degenerate gambler. And uh, he kind of got me into trading options on Apple like a single option that you would buy an option in the morning and Apple would go up and then you'd sell the (laughs) option in the afternoon and you'd make like a hundred to $500 in the day. And it was like crazy. How long ago was this? What what year year was this roughly? Um, I want to say like 2010, 2011. Okay. It's been about a decade. It's maybe a little bit more. It might've been 2009, but like that was, that was my foray into options trading you know, did you was, do like stocks or day trading, you know, TA kind of stuff before that? Or you just no, options no, no, thing? no. So my first, I guess my first, uh, a lot of people start with tasty trade. Uh, I didn't yeah. start with tasty trade. Okay. I started with Dan Sheridan, uh, nice. his free YouTube videos. Like I would listen to his weekly, uh, YouTube video and that's how I blew up my first account was <laughs> selling weeklies in the rut, you know, I like, see. Oh, I had like 13 winners in a row. So like for a full quarter, I was, I won every single week. And then like the 14th week, I just blew up the account. Like I lost it all because I had oh, no that, idea how to manage it. That, that's like, I always say people who, who make it first, you know, that that's actually the worst thing that happened for me. When I found Tasty Trade, I had a month of winners and then it turned south real quick. But then I hadn't gotten to that point where I can imagine, you know, he's a 13 or 14 weeks of, of winners. And then you really... Think, but it was you know, one. It was one trade a week. I mean, you're I trading a weekly. You ah, know, like, okay, okay. Yeah, like it's kind of like your seven, uh, seven day to expiration trade that you do. You're you're planning on being in there for about a week or so. Okay, okay. That was like the same thing I was doing. Uh, and it, it, like I was on a roll to the point where I was like, wow, you know, 
I'm making like 1500, two grand a week. I was like, that's better than I was doing selling car insurance for a brokerage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so so you blew up an account. Did did you quit for a while? Did you come back? You try again, refund? Uh, Well, I I guess I am also a degenerate gambler because I immediately came back in. Okay. I I went and got some more chips and I of course threw them on the table. Uh, but I had discovered, I, I, I knew that I had to learn a little bit. So I, I kept it relatively small. And then I started doing more investigations into other, you know, people that knew more than me. And that's how I came to like Tasty Trade is that, you know, the guy that created the Thinkorswim platform, like why the right. hell not? And at the so, time, small, are we talking $5,000 account, 10000 you know, yeah. I mean, like my first account was a thousand dollars and I grew that up to like 15 K that was like that first blow up. I went from a thousand okay. to like 15 K and but like, you know, that's not bad. 1000 of your own money, right. Versus 15,000. No idea what I'm doing. Literally yeah, no yeah. clue of what I'm doing. But I mean, the worst mistake yeah. I ever made in trading was that I had uh FNMA, uh Fannie Mae stock. Mm. Okay. I had that for a nickel wow. and I had a hundred thousand shares of that for a wow. nickel. Wow. And that went to like four or $6. And I had literally like six months earlier, it, it got up to a dime. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to take this profit. I doubled my money. And, and I ran away with that. And then next thing you know, it went up to like $4 and 23 cents. And I was like, ah, cause my thesis was that they were in conservative ship. They were, yeah. yeah. That, you know, the stock was going to trade up and it did. And I just was not there. Because degenerate gambler. Yeah. So those there in Sheridan, were there any books that you read or any other like I don't remember how long when Option Alpha came about. And I know, you know, Tasty Tasty Works and Tasty Trade, and there was dough for a while. So what was the next thing after that um that you found? Well, after after Dan Sheridan, it was uh well, I had I had started doing more investigations because I mean anybody can learn anything on YouTube. You can learn how to put a new toilet into your bathroom or oh, yeah, how to of split an atom. Right, Literally right. anything you need to do, you can find on YouTube for free. Yeah. And I found the Karen, the super trader video. And that <laughs> there we go. There we go. By, and then yeah. I started religiously watching them and following them. And I, I guess if there's a cautionary tale because account number two and account number three that I blew up <laughs> wow. was tasty trade style trading, you know, where you're collecting a third the width of the strikes and taking it off at 50% and, you just, I found that you go poor slowly yeah, off and, that style of trade. And just so. to kind of, uh, kind of clarify on that, you know, obviously your, your style of trading now is very different. We'll get to that. But at the time, cause I, I've realized over time that, you know, the quote unquote tasty trade style is really hard to pin down. Everyone kind of interprets their, their style a little bit differently. It, looking back, do you know if you, maybe there are some parts just, executioner like did you trade too big were you you know doing too many defined risk trades were you trying to roll too many things like or, or is it it's hard to say honestly like do, do you think there was what the benefit of hindsight of course like was there anything it was you over trading okay it was it, bar none it was over trading rolling positions that should have just been closed taking small losses instead of like because that's the thing like if you're still on the dance floor quote unquote you roll the trade I, even with these zero d- day to expiration trades if i get a I get a wild hair. If I feel like the market's moving against me and it, it looks strong, I just bail because right. it's better. Right. It's sometimes you just take your, instead of taking a, a, a two X loss, take the one X loss and right. then you're even for the day or maybe right. even come up a little profitable. But I mean, like I was, I was like religious dogma 
with that. Like yeah. whatever Tom and Tony would say is what <laughs> I did. And I found that trade small trade often, even with capped commissions and no, no closing costs on uh, nickel or less on toss or whatever. Right. Right. I, I found that like, if you aggregated my losses, uh, if you took out the fees of what I was paying to be in all of these smaller trades and get in and get out, it was just eating up such a large percentage of right. of the profit that you make that your your true risk after you were done actually trading that style was a lot higher. Like your your actual risk versus your perceived risk entering at entry. Like because you say a third of the width of the strikes, I have like roughly like a thirty three percent chance of loss or whatever. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. But when you start taking fees out, you're actually closer to like a 50 50 yeah it eats up right depending on the size of the trade that's why i tell people you know trade naked obviously there's risk with that but like wider spread or, or larger products um obviously you have to have the capital but like if you're collecting right. more credit then all of those other costs however low they are they're fixed right so as a percentage right you're looking at these these constants inputs and outputs it's going to affect your bottom line so no, it, yeah it, you credit realize received. that definitely okay yeah credit received by far is the best way to have a higher win rate by far the more sure. credits you can receive the better you will be within reason you know you don't want to be too high up on the leg as that yeah one yeah guy. it's all you know like, you're <laughs> yeah, not trying to get podcast. up on the thigh i'm yeah. down by the ankle with you when it comes yeah. to the meat on the bone like i'm on the top of the foot that's how right, far right. out i'm and trying then, to go so you know one thing with this i want people to really understand that it's not all you know because we we see you online posting winner after winner right i want people to recognize that it's a journey you know like you know you're talking oh. about account two and three that's blown up so you started a decade ago like two and three was that like year two year three or where was that so in that my, okay just to give you some dollar amounts on these accounts sure. number, the first account i blew up was like a thousand dollars of right. my own money and then year i had one thrown it to about right. 15 grand but my actual loss was a thousand dollars sure great account That's good. number two i decided to be a little bit more ballsy with so i threw 25 grand of my money in and that eventually over the course of a year or so found its way down to like zero so that's like year two, year three kind of thing. Cause I know you, you yeah, yeah, back like okay. year, year two through three, or maybe even into year four. Got it. It's just, like it. I said, you go broke slow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, like I re-upped that account and I said, well, I got it figured out this time. Right. I am the winner. I'm going to put 50 grand in okay. there. Ouch. So now yeah. my total all in is like $76,000. And then that mm -hmm. account that took a little bit longer to blow up, but you're about like five, six years in. Yeah. And the way the way I looked at all of that was that it's tuition. You it is. know, like it is. if you go to college, you you got like they say 10,000 hours to master something. Sure. How many years is that? It's like five years if you do it 40 hours a week. Right. And right. Let's face facts. You're only doing this work like six hours a day, maybe if you're trading daily. And for my part, I was trading more like weekly. It was like I was adjusting on a weekly basis, not a daily basis. So, I mean, when you start to figure it out, if you don't have like six, seven, eight years of trading time in, like, are you an expert? Do you know what you're doing? You know, like you sure. have an idea, but yeah. you know, you don't have the time in to know, which is, that's the thing I always try to say in the group. It's like, Hey man, like I trade a thousand options, right? You don't have to trade a thousand options. You don't have to trade the product. Yeah. I, my eyes like, blew up when I saw the thousand contracts. It's, it's like, and don't get me wrong, I'm like debating with myself about moving over to SPX now because it's a thousand options and it just takes it takes a long time to fill them when things does it. Getting, okay. 
Okay. You know, like well, it, it used to not, but like things have settled down with the volatility a bit, right? With the plunging volatility. And I found that with the plunging volatility, SPX actually is starting to make a little bit more sense because you can get in between the penny. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah, can get yeah. in between the 10 cents Got on it. an SPX trade versus the penny on an SPY okay. trade. But to go back to what I was saying, it's, it's honestly like I just tell people it's a matter of scale. My, your 10 lot in SPY is just as valuable as my 1000 lot in yeah, SPY yeah. because the mechanics of it are exactly the same and you will get to 15 and 20 and 50 and 100 and then you got decisions to make whether you're going to move to a different product or this or that. I've been stubborn in staying with SPY because I feel like I know it so well. Yeah, no, like, that that's fine. I tell people, you know, you can strategically diversify and that still can be in the same product, right? If you know something and it's there's that liquidity and the opportunity and the edge there, why not keep trading it? Yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing is like I thought about maybe dividing the account in half and putting half of it back with Toss and halving it with uh, Tastyworks and, you know, like, it just now I'm trading two accounts and you're suboptimal with entries and timing and things like right. that. So it's, it's, I, I'm coming up against a wall though. Admittedly, I will be the first one to say it. There's a few people in the group that would probably love to hear this, but I am coming up against it at a thousand or so options that it, I might have to make that transition. Sure. Over to SPX, sure. And, you know? uh, Begrudgingly. You know, got, got it. And, and, you know, one thing that's so important, especially with, uh, you know, I've been in the Facebook group a couple of years. I think you've been in a year or something, but there's people who just join all the time and, and they see these posts and see the success. And, you know, that's why it's important to see that this was a 10 year journey. But one thing that's important, you mentioned the tuition, right? No, $75,000, it's not cheap. But again, compared to like, you know, college tuition or some expensive, you know, MBA course or something like, you know, it's money you paid. It, you can get the value out if you put the time in. But I mean, other than the just- financial, financial capital one thing that i always stress on is the mental capital how did you stay in it you know like what kept you going um because i I, i'm like a math guy i love numbers i like is that your background no 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 well i i I went to college for pre-med but i ended up not i became a pharmaceutical sales rep because i can talk to anybody um and basically i i have a minor in math and a minor in physics and a minor in chemistry as well Okay. Uh, but I really enjoy math. I really enjoy like numbers. Numbers don't lie and stuff like that. So like the manipulation of numbers and statistics and things like that is just interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. In, in, in trading options, I was able to see calculus, but in an intuitive way, mm-hmm. you know, like when you start talking about uh, gamma risk versus Delta, or like even Delta is a first derivative of price and stuff like that. When you start talking about rates of change over time and things like that, that really kind of perks my ears up because that was something that I was super interested in college. And I just never really followed that path into becoming an engineer or something like that. Got it. So, you know, like, but the background per se with regards to what kept me in this game was that I knew I didn't want to have a boss and I knew that, I could figure it out because it involved numbers and numbers, like I said, don't lie. Like they play out probabilities play out into reality. So I kind of figured that if you give it enough time and you start getting that, what uh, Tom would say that market awareness, yeah, yeah, um, which is really, really weird because it is like a light switch. 
that just kind of clicks on one day where you're like, oh, I've seen this setup before. And I know that it's going to, as it goes up to a peak, you know, it's going to reverse because of volume changes or, you know, ADD is moving in a different direction. You're like, wow, this is starting to get really weak. You start to notice those things more intuitively than actually something that you're aware of. It, it almost becomes like second nature. Uh, so that's, you know, something that's really neat. But as far as being able to stay in it, it maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment and I hate to lose. <laughs> I think that might be part of it as well. Well, you know, you know, you're talking about account three after that blew up year five, six, seven, you know, the last three years, I guess, you know, at least at top of your mind, have, how has that been going? Have you achieved your goal? Have you been you know, doing okay? I mean, so I had a goal this year to, uh, to make a half a million dollars okay. from January 1st to, uh, June 30th, first six months of the year is I want to make a half a mil. And I think <laughs> I came in somewhere around like 400. So okay. I didn't hit my goal, but I mean, I, as of this week, I hit my goal. All right. No, congrats. Oh. Uh, so this is kind of the, the pinnacle, right? You, you, just based on this year, you've made everything for four back and, and then some, and then, Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Like that tuition has paid yeah. huge dividends. I've made a half a million dollars off of that tuition this year. And what about the so. past couple of years, like kind of the 1920, um, up, choppy, up and down, up and down, yeah, okay. up and down. Like, you know, like my, my trading account would be up, but my 401k would be down. And then I'd get my 401k built back up to where it was. And then my trading account would be down. And it just seemed like I was treading water for literally like year eight, like basically the Trump presidency was just, it was tough. It's crazy, right? But you stemmed you the bleeding, right? You didn't know what weren't... the hell was going to happen yeah. next. And that's when I started coming to the conclusion, I can't carry overnight risk Yeah. because yeah. he's going to say something stupid. And I don't know what your politics are, but admittedly that guy says some really weird stuff and it would cause the market to either go up or go down. And like it, it there was a certain level of disregard for what his words would say to, to, and actually do to the market. And at that point I was like, I'm, I'm not playing a logical game with logical participants because this guy has a huge microphone or a megaphone that can change the trajectory of what my investments are going to do. So I really need to pare down that risk. And the way I found to do that was to be out of the market for three quarters of the day. You know, so I stopped carrying overnight risk and that really started, like, I started seeing an evolution of like what that did. So, um, I took my wash sales from last year to this year okay, and that's what I started trading with. It was like, Hey, your wash sales were like 67 grand. So I only used that 67 grand starting in January. I took everything else and put it in a separate account for other trading strategies that I do and this and that. And then I concentrated specifically on growing that to a half a million. So we're actually I, growing that to 567,000. Got it. And I was actually going to you kind of answered a question already. Cause I was going to say you went from sinking to treading water, right? Treading water still, at least you're not sinking. Right. But right, I was going to ask right. if that was like changes in the strategy or just a culmination of what you mentioned, kind of the market awareness and just being more engaged. But it sounds like was, so, so you essentially what went to like zero DTE basically by 2018. Was that kind of, you, you, so you, you cut out overnight uh, risk. Yeah, not, not large in zero DTE. I was doing shorter. Time. Oh, okay. I, just, I, just I, not overnight, but you might enter and not scalping per se, but 
opening and closing. No, the same no, no. Time. I think it'd be fair to say scalping. Like, okay. uh, like I, I got really, really good at scalping from 2018 on because you're forced to. You like you, you either you either evolve or die. Like it's easy to make money. It's easy to have a win. It's really, really hard to not lose. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like once you've once you've taken that win, what do you do with that? Like. Like you just made 10 grand today. Okay, that's great. Well, if you lose 10 grand tomorrow, then you netted zero over the course of two days. So how right. do you not lose? Right. And right. I found that the best way for me to not lose was to not, and to have a better night's sleep, not push out so much gray hair or have stomach ulcer or whatever, right. was to, to take the money off the table every day to, to, and, and just to move away from it. And that's when I started getting more into like, actual day trading like being in and out in the course of a day and it maybe not trading a half a million dollars worth of buying power yeah but, yeah definitely you know maybe like i would i would be utilizing like 30 percent of my account and i would have like a nice 200 300 winner of a day and be like hey that's great you know like yeah I just need to keep this up and then i started coming to the conclusion that i'm doing this correct except for scale and that's when I, that brings us to the beginning, the end of last year, the beginning of this year, where I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, the, I'm going to try to take a small portion of this and scale it all the way up. And the intraday stuff, was that basically directional credit spreads kind of thing? Always, always a credit okay. spread. I'm, I'm a mortgage guy and an end and insurance guy by trade before I started doing this. And uh, I am risk. I, I, I look at risk differently. I, I look right. at like, so for instance, I look at options as life insurance for stock and having that different viewpoint on it gave me mm -hmm. a different understanding of what that actual vehicle does. Yeah. It's stock. a risk, it's a risk transfer instrument, right? Just like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is exactly a way to mitigate risk from you're transferring risk from one party to another. And, and um, yeah. as far as picking entries or direction, do you combine it with some kind of, I know you, you, you post and stuff like TA and, and signals, like what, what do you look at to augment, you know, and, and try to give yourself a better perceived edge as far as entries? So I guess to answer this question, maybe we go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. I would watch tasty trade from market open to market close. And right. literally the segment that I personally gravitated towards most was, well, everybody likes the rising stars. Right. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I really enjoyed Shadow Trader. I liked uh, Peter Reznicek and Brad Agunas. I thought they had a great banter back and forth, similar to yeah. Tom and Tony, but they were, Tom and Tony are more of like a random walk set of guys where yes. it's just like, hey, the market's going to do what it does and right, let, right. The, let the probabilities play out, which I find incredible value in. But I liked the way that Peter approached uh, the market and price and things like that using market profile, which I do not use. Like okay. I, I, I follow volume nodes and stuff like that, but I really, really enjoyed the segments that they had. So fast forward to now, like the way in which I come up with my, like I use things like the, the, the ADD line for the S&P 500. I use the tick for the S&P 500. I use the vol for the S&P 500. And I have those in the same type of quad that Shadow Trader uses okay. his quad. And I even had gone back and forth with him a couple of times and saying, hey, why do you use ADD 
which is the New York Stock Exchange versus the ADSPD, which is just the S&P 500. And, you know, like, and they've actually started using some of that stuff. Now, I'm not going to say that that was because of me, but I mean, it seemed to coincide with me sending him a list of these indicators and then they started using a couple of them. So, I mean, that was kind of neat, but I really enjoyed what he does. And again, he puts out the best information for free. Okay. Now, I should probably send the guy a check because of the amount of information that I have learned from him over the years that was just freely given. Right. Uh, but I mean, like, seriously, if people wanted to learn how to do the type of technical analysis that I do, they just got to watch that guy because that's, that is like my mentor. He just doesn't know it. No, I, I've, I've heard about them from, from other podcasts and stuff. Do they do like a, you know, obviously people like them, they do like a free, you know, they have free education. Do they also have like, um, like what's their business model? Do they have a subscription they, service? They have a subscription-based okay. service where you'll get his pre-market perspective and gotcha. stuff like that. And okay. I, I don't get anything for this. I literally like, honestly, no, no. don't get anything for it. Like, I don't think you have to pay for it, Sure. but you probably, if you make money from it, you probably should, because I mean, they are putting it out there. Literally I've learned technical analysis from, and it's not just linking two highs together on a chart or two lows together on a chart. I literally learned what it means to be half back and you know, what a spike rules are and that basically the way they trade, I think it adds a, a few extra percentage points to your outcome, okay. which is the best you can hope for because it's a 50-50 game from the beginning. The bell rings, you're going to choose to be bullish or bearish. At the end of the day, you have a 50-50 chance of being right. And I think what they do is they help enhance those odds. And then the same thing with the ADD line, uh, the ADD chart, the tick, the vol. I think if you start really learning how to use those, it's not going to give you a 100% indication of what's going to happen, of but course. It, it enhances your odds. So now it's not a 50-50. It might be a 55-45 or a 60-40. Yeah, that's that's great odds. Right, if you can keep yeah, I'll take that any day of right. the week. You know, like if you can win 60% of the time and you are profitable, then you have that positive expectancy, then you're winning. So, so moving on to, you know, this year, at least from what I've seen, maybe I missed me. So I, I definitely see your zero DTE stuff. And I, I know you do this stuff on Tuesdays and Thursdays where you get in and out. So it's one DTE, but you get out. It, yeah. Is that primarily uh, like, is that, are you doing half and half or like in terms of the capital you spend, are you kind of mixing it up or what is sort of the blend or well, what know? I, what I did was I took, I took a lot of risk off the, uh, the table. Because okay. I, I believe we're hundreds of points over where we should be sure. on the S&P 500 just right now. Okay. Um, maybe even a thousand points. I don't know. So I took a bunch of risk off the table and I said, you know what? This is just, just in case money right here. If stuff goes bad, I can reseed a new account. I have right. bills paid, things like that. And I have that all pushed to the side. Um, with what I have on the account that I actually post about and show, on the on the forum on the uh the facebook group mm -hmm. that is exclusively traded 95 percent okay. that is traded zero dte or one day that's treated as zero dte now to tuesdays and thursdays can be the exception where i might hold overnight but there has to be a compelling reason you know okay. like there was a compelling reason like I had my strike at 444 on SPY yesterday and I was like, 
is it going to make a new all time? Is it going to blow through two points and 20 cents to make a new all time high and take out my strike? That's the short call you had? Yeah, my short call that okay. I had on SPY and, and on. Got it. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Was so August I woke 3rd. up to that this morning at like two cents, three cents okay. or so. And it just took all day to get yeah. those couple of pennies out of it. And it was just like, okay. So, but I don't like to hold overnight. Sometimes I do because I am still not. 100 disciplined as you we have gone back and forth in the group and discussed it's like there's a plan stick to the plan don't be an idiot stick to the plan until you're an idiot and you don't stick to the plan and now um what do you do now for for a living or can you say this, like you're... this oh, is okay. what i do got it okay yeah, so i'm like semi-retired i'm 43 nice. i uh i was lucky enough that a buddy of mine and myself we went into business doing like electronics for those little android tv box things and okay a grip of cash and we both figured out that you know what we're going to be done with this because it's it's time to be done there's too much competition on the market you know knockoffs are starting to come from china and they're like way under the price that we could actually compete with so we folded everything up and you know he's just retired living off of dividends at like i guess wells fargo active money management yeah. And, uh, and I when decided was, that I could do better than that. When when was this? When did you become full time trading? Uh, last year. Got it. So about but year like nine. The, yeah, like I was maybe into 2019. I was building a house at the same time. So the, okay. the house that I'm sitting in right now, I built. Uh, and when I say I built it, I literally built a lot of it. And oh, nice. uh, so that takes a lot of time. And I was I was doing trades on my phone and arguing with toss about how they would fill orders after hours and they just yeah. push you into bad fills and you'd be like, ah, why didn't I just close it when it was a nickel instead of holding out for it? And then now they closed it for $2, <laughs> you know, and just stuff like that. So, but that was like 2019 and then 2020, I was able to just actually sit down at 6:30 every morning and trade. And, you know, like I did well, like last year, I, I it was a six figure year. Leave Great. it that, I guess. You know, no, that that's good. I didn't realize you were you were doing full time, although you're you're pretty active, and you know, I, I should have figured. But uh, you know, an, an interview with you wouldn't be complete without talking about the the SPY trade and and the the exorbitant contracts. I know you, you used to try to explain it about the co the commissions, and people ask so many times. You know, you you just got. The, I, I know, just don't even kind of, answer anymore. Um, if they want to know, they can search it. But it, it, uh, I know it, there is the cap commission. It's basically it, it's just at, at that quantity. It is at least as far as you know, even with the exchange fees, it is more still commission efficient to trade spy versus SPX. Uh, at that, a thousand, uh, it's probably slightly more efficient to trade SPX. Why is that? Isn't you don't doesn't it just close. get more efficient? Like, what is the reason? I, I, I thought with the cap commission, it just, oh, I see, because it eventually catches up to you, right? Because there's some kind of inflection point, I guess, because the commission yes, there caps, is. Um, is there a difference in the exchange fee? Why is the reason that SPX like catches up per se? Just so all I can tell you is that with the, I can tell you the exchange fee right here. I, I placed a thousand option trade today, right? Okay. That thousand option trade in just exchange fees cost $282.14 per leg. Okay. So that's why when I'm closing, I'm only closing the shorts because I mean, right. that's 500 and sure. bucks, you know, that's half a penny, you know? So you're going to lose a half a penny on exit 
you're going to lose a half a penny on entrance plus another half a penny. So it's like one and a half cents round trip because you can almost disregard the actual tasty works commission. Got it's it. only 40 bucks. Yeah. You yeah. know, compared to everything else, it's a drop in the bucket. Right. So right. you're talking about an in and out of somewhere around a thousand to $1,200 okay. or so more or less. And you would be in a similar position at SPX if you didn't negotiate fees at Thinkorswim. You'd be like, I don't know, at 65 cents times four. But then you can't, you got to let it expire instead of buying it yeah. back. Because if you buy yeah. it back now, it's 65 cents times six. And when you start doing all the math, you're like, wow, it's like $3.80 times 100 is 380 plus their exchange fees. And you start getting into those numbers and you're like, wow, they're pretty similar. Um, okay. It was a lot yeah. more compelling to use SPY at 500 options because the exchange fees were closer to, you know, like the difference between the exchange fees on SPX and SPY at 500 was better uh, than it is at a thousand, which is why got I'm it. like got at it. that position, I'm losing a penny and a half on this, not to mention the one penny between the bid and the ask. So now it's like you're at two and a half cents on SPY, which is 25 cents on SPX. When you start figuring out, you're like, wait a second, that's like a thousand dollars on each side that you're able to get if you can just right. get it down to a half a penny, you know, like so that I'm starting to come around to SPX. The the big thing that people don't realize is that I do have um I do have trader status. Okay. So I have mark to market. I have the I have all that jazz. So all my income is treated as short-term capital gains. Right. Right. It doesn't matter if I trade SPX or I don't trade. SPX oh, I see. Because I gotcha. it's all going through. It's all treated the same. So it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, like if I trade SPX under my personal name and not my corporate name, then there is a compelling reason to use SPX for the tax efficiency. But I've had a couple of conversations with uh, a guy, John, in the group, and he he's he's definitely on board with me moving over to SPX. He's like, believe me, you'll love it. <laughs> yeah, because so SPX doesn't have the cap commissions. Is that it what does it not? So if and Tastyworks's commission structure is god awful. If you do not trade, uh, if you trade one of the indices like the SPX, the NDX, the RUT, right? It's a dollar a leg per contract but i'm guessing spx being a larger product you can it's trade less contracts than sure. spy so at sure. some point even with the cap commissions you just do less contracts so i guess that's where the well, let me put it differently in. so to enter one spx uh with the the, the similar notional uh it's going to be 100 contracts right right and, right and four legs so right. that's going to be 100 times four, which is $400 in commission right there. Right. And then you're going to have a tenth of the regulatory fees, more or less. So say it's another 30 bucks. Right. So you're $430 to get in on SPX with Tastyworks. Uh, if you have to get out, that's another $200 if you're just buying back the shorts, plus another 15 or so. So yeah, I mean, like it's, it's somewhere thereabouts, like 800 or so dollars when you figure it all out. And with SPY, the commissions are capped, but the exchange fee is what the hits exchange you if fees you do are a lot not, of contracts. Got it. That's, so that's where I'm starting to feel my pain. I see. So, I mean, you can sit down and just math it out and just figure out a break even. So, I mean, like I said, numbers don't but lie. But there is, yeah. there is that, that the familiarity with how 
SPX response, how it goes up and down, what the ticks look like, and right, you right. know the the scale on the screen. Whereas if I switch over to SPX, you know something that looks like a runner on SPY is a okay. nothing on SPX. It's like oh, it moved it, up one it. tick on there that it's ten cents. You know, and you're yeah, like oh, yeah. that didn't really move anything. That's but true. It, yeah. it, like it's a it's a matter of familiarity. I've been trading SPY for about seven to eight years. So it's right. just, it's like that old friend, you know, okay. I'm in a long-term relationship with SPY. It's not always the most uh, beneficial relationship financially, but it's familiar. Yeah. That and it just comes down to scale, right? I mean, look, if you can make what half a million dollars and half a year with SPY, you don't need to go above the contract size. So it's, yeah. if you have that ambition to make a million dollars or something, then, you know, you, you unlock that scale trading SPX, but otherwise like, you know, you, you've made, five years of people's salaries in half a year. So honestly, probably nothing to complain about. And you can just yeah, keep yeah, at this size. I look know? at it. Although I admittedly over like five, 600 options, it, it starts to become very much more inefficient. Yeah. Uh, in I can imagine because the, the exchange fees are just, they really start to pile up. Whereas before you can justify a hundred dollar difference. We're now at like what a two, three, $400 difference. And then you're, you're stuck at a penny no matter what, you can't have a half a penny. So that's yeah. 10 cents, but I can get in for a nickel on SPX. And that, that difference is, you know, on a thousand options, that's 500 bucks on one side, 500 on the other. That's a thousand dollars in a day yeah. of inefficiency. That That's just money off the table that I won't make. Yeah. So I, I, think I, I do are... realize what the detriments of SPY versus SPX are, but my, I guess the thing that I have to get past is, whether or not that detriment is worth the benefits of how familiar I am with that product. Yeah. And that's not something you want to kind of underestimate. And then, you know, sure. from, from the numbers that it looks like the, the capped commission was sort of the edge trading SPY, oh, but that edge sure. runs out once you get to a certain size. Okay. Okay. Well that, that all makes sense, you know, and hopefully we put this out there and nobody has to, you know, yeah, just, just, just link this episode. Everybody what they feel yeah. most comfortable with. For <laughs> yeah, sure. But, trade how you want to trade. Don't trade how I trade. How you trade yeah. is great for you. And I was going to say from now on, people ask about that, we just link this episode, you know, so something. Yeah. <laughs> you can I actually just post to. a link every time somebody asks. Right. It'll be your most right. popular episode. And, and so, you know, this year, um, just more the same for the rest of the year. Like, you know, what, what's your mentality now? Like you hit this big milestone and you know, we're, we're so, August, uh, I work. haven't taken any, uh, I haven't taken any draws against that money and until, uh, last month. Okay. I, I took 50 K off the table. And then, uh, at the end of this week, I'll take another 50 K off the table for this month. Nice. Uh, and I'm just basically, I'm, I, I feel like, Trading a thousand options is pretty much where I want to be. And once I take enough money out of this account, I'm basically starting to build a new account over at uh, Thinkorswim. Okay. And then what I'm going to start doing is trading SPX over there. And if I can, I'm going to basically head on head. It's going to be a AB comparison. Yeah, that makes which sense. Which one yeah. is going to basically be the better option for me? But long term goals, I'm going to try to make a fund, <laughs> you know, I'm okay. going to try to take other people's money and trade it. And then I don't have to risk any of my money. Yeah. Well, we'll talk I about that later. Money. I know I've, I've written, I wrote the essay about starting one and uh, that's something we can, uh, we can, you know, yeah, anyone has sure. aspirations that, always people that like to, uh, to help out with that. No, that, that, that's cool. And, um, right now, like, uh, what is your, 
so Tuesdays and Thursdays, I mean, what's kind of your schedule like, your routine? Are you, because I know you like to get out before the close, so you're not trading even six hours a day, right? It's, it's shorter than that. I guess it depends on the day. But. I mean, I guess it depends on what you consider trading. So I'll wake up at 6.15 and I will start staring at pre-market news and stuff out of one bloodshot eye um, every morning, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, tomorrow being Thursday, uh, I don't set an alarm, but I'll probably wake up around the same time because you wake up that time enough times in a row, then you just kind of, that's your schedule. So right. I, maybe I sleep into like 6.30, 7 o'clock, but I'll wake up and take a look. And by that point, usually the, the move of the day has happened, you know, mm -hmm. like, wh like whatever crazy volatility happens in the morning is usually hand itself out in the first 15 to 30 minutes of the day, I find. So if I do want to jump in, then I'll jump in. And that's the degenerate gambler in me is that I, it's hard for me to not trade a day. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really tough because like, I really do enjoy it. I really enjoy doing it. And as far as your question about like how many hours a day I trade, I, I feel like I trade from bell to bell. Because okay. I literally you're engaged the whole time, right? I I stare at my my fiance tells me all the time. She's like, all you do is stare at red <laughs> and green boxes. And I was like, yeah, but those red and green boxes are affording a lot of stuff in our life. So they get the respect they deserve. And that's it. You know, like a lot of people talk about automating their stops. A few people have actually posted it in the group on a couple of my uh, posts that I do. Right. Right. I don't believe in them. And I know maybe you do, and maybe other people do, and they should do what they're most comfortable with. But, um, I, I don't feel like I should leave something up to somebody else when it involves so much of what is important to me, you know, like, so if I'm seeing something happen in the market, I can react to that. I nothing is more pressing than having a job and this is a good job in which I work six and a half hours a day and that's it. It's a, at a good point in the day that I still have a day after it's over. So I should right. at least give it the respect it deserves uh, and trade my own stops. That's how I feel about it. A yeah, lot of no. people, they put in their conditional orders and, and maybe they get a bad fill. Maybe their thing gets triggered. Maybe they misset it. Maybe it gets missed. I don't know. Uh, but there's horror stories about people blowing up accounts. I have never blown up accounts on anything that was somebody else's fault, except for one time I didn't blow up the account. This is an interesting side bit. Mm -hmm. Hastyworks, remember when they had that outage? I don't know if you Oh remember. yeah, it was like two times a year, it seems like, you know, this yeah, is- Yeah, yeah, well so that outage was an $89,000 loss. Wow, me. wow. And uh, they didn't cover the whole thing, but they did give me about 16K. Okay. Uh, back, which, you know, I guess was a percent. If you start doing the math, I guess it was like 15% or something okay. like that, okay. more or less, uh, which is something I never expected. I asked them to do it. And the guy came back and said, we'll give you like a grand. And I was like, well, you can keep your grand because this is 89,000. And if all you're going right. to give me is a grand, then that's fine. And then they came back and gave me 15 K more. So I was, that's I something, was, you know, that, yeah. I mean, like they didn't have to do that. The, yeah, because yeah. they're like, well, you know, you need to be responsible for your positions. And I was like, well, you know, you didn't have a phone line that I could call and get through and close anything. So that was an interesting thing because I noticed I, I had listened to one of your podcasts about people talking about bad fills and this and that. And they do happen, but they don't happen as often as people think, you know, right, like it's right. like you might get a bad trigger. Like like you said, Tastyworks might be down twice a year. You might get a bad fill even less frequently than that. But 
if somebody marks something and you left it up to a computer to figure out what you wanted to do, it only knows, it only knows logic. It's a true false thing with a computer. So if this thing happens, then do this. If somebody out there makes that thing happen, then the preceding event is going to happen. It's just, it's, if then it's Boolean, you know, whereas if I sit in front of the computer and stare at it all day, I have a, I know what's, I, I have a better feel of what's going on. And that's where the market awareness comes in. You, you see like, Hey, it's kind of pushing up, but it looks like it's losing steam. And then the next thing you know, it rolls over. Great. Or you get taken out, but either right. way, I'm still sticking to the same plan as everybody else. I just, I choose to do it as a human being rather than setting the computer to do it for me. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I, I think for, for me, like, no, so we use automated stops, but we use kind of sophisticated sure. different conditionals and there's different things mm-hmm. that limit. And I think just people don't understand how orders work and what the market orders, right? Yeah, you see, you know, option prices can freak out even yeah. when the market is just doing a small move because of the news or something. So like I said, you're, you're there at least and you can recognize something if you need to get it or not, whereas a market order is just going to get you out. And that's where the, the bad fills happen, you know? And, you know, I'll be honest, like, you know, there were times where at least when I first saw you post and, you know, before we had chatted, right. I, I, I would <laughs> raise an eyebrow when I see the thousand contracts or, you know, you, you would make a thousand dollars and pay 400 in fees or something like for me, like you know, the way I look at numbers and expectancy, like I always try to reduce fees and everything. But again, at the end of the day, like I've come to accept that, like people do what they're comfortable with. And if you, you have success and um, you know, no one's going to, you have to define your own success. That's why I always say, right. So you define your own success. And if it works for you, it doesn't have to work for other people. Right. It might, you know, maybe people do it differently. So I think that's, that's what's important. And, and you said that earlier as well, like people have to and, and do just what think, they're comfortable like- with without people doing stuff a different way or figuring out risk a different way, there'd be no counterparties. If we all did everything the same way, who's the counterparty to your transaction? I have an assumption. My assumption is different than that person's assumption. That guy now becomes my counterparty, you know, like the guy I'm buying from or selling to, you know, like, so I like everybody there, there are a million ways to skin this cat. There really is like you, like I, I, the plumber who worked in my house, cause I don't do plumbing. I, well, I can do some plumbing, but <laughs> the guy that was running all the pipes in my house, he mm-hmm. was a tasty trade guy and he, he had an apprehension to pull the trigger. It, he had like, okay. he had like a $15,000. He blue collar guy. Sure. Love the guy. His name is Larry. Uh, he has, uh, he's blue collar guy works his ass off and, he saw me trading and he's like, Oh, I, I like tasty works. And I see you, you got tasty works and Oh my God. And, um, and we got to talking and I got him on a wheel strategy, something really easy to manage, really low risk. I see. And the guy doubled his money in a year. Nice. Nice. On a wheel strategy. Yeah. Like, there's a yeah. million ways to skim this cat. So it doesn't have to be my way. It doesn't have to be your way. It could be anybody's way as long as it's a profitable way. Cool. No, that that's great. It's been uh, really fascinating to, uh, you know, like I said before, um, we started recording, like I've been kind of following your stuff and, and I didn't know exactly the background and your trajectory and everything. I mean, is there anything like you would want to tell somebody starting out or something that you wish you knew when you started? Stick out? to the plan, stick to the plan, stick to the plan, stick whatever your thesis is don't throw it out. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because of one good thing. Like 
I held overnight last night and I was rewarded for it. It's probably the worst thing that could happen because my thesis is not to hold overnight. Every time I have lost big and let's see, I'm sure this is probably a question, but uh, my biggest losing month was $81,000. Was that one, one trade, a bunch and of trades? And it was one damn trade I see. that it went against me real freaking hard. And that, 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 that loss legitimately started as a three, that month started as a $300,000 down month. Wow. And I had to roll and roll and roll and fight and do this and do that. And it was like, I had, I still had a portion of my account that I was allocating towards these zero day to expiration trades, but Got it. they were smaller. And like, I had a big part of my account that I had to fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. And it took, it took a, like that, that loss started in March and I was able to get out of it in May instead of 300 grand down for 81 grand down. Wow. But yeah, so that, it, uh, that just tells you like that set you back, there was a, a picture that was floating around the group where it says, Hey, if you lose this much of your account, right, right. I was going to say that the, com the compounding works both ways, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So that was roughly a 50% loser. And I did everything right after that one bad thing. And it took me three months to get to $81,000 loss from 300 grand loss. So the, I guess that's the number one is stick to your plan. Whatever your thesis is, um, stick to it. Number two is don't beat yourself up over mistakes. You know, don't, don't do it. Like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people in the group that thrive on people's misery and say, well, you shouldn't have been doing this or that. What the hell do they know? They don't know anything. Like most people that trumpet themselves in the group, just ignore, you know, right. and ignore me. I, I like I, I post it in, in the hopes that people will see that lower delta trades are actually a benefit. Uh, but if you if you grab no benefit from my stuff, then you know that's fine too. I don't mind. Like I'm making money. You're probably making yeah. money. You know, <laughs> yeah, like so, yeah. but I don't beat yourself up over mistakes. You gotta learn from them. Like like they said in Batman, the reason you fall down is to get back up. And that's it. You know, get back up and keep playing the game. Definitely. Well, Chris, this has been uh, really enjoyable. Hope you had, um, you know, really like giving you a chance to kind of share the story. I hope that people in the group, when they get a chance to listen, you know, get the whole picture, you know, and it's it's not all about making the big bucks every day. I mean, I know, like I said, you just posting the post winner after winner, but you know, there's a story behind every trader, behind every trade, you know, uh, a, a journey behind, um, you know, the, the entire front to end. So, um, again, thanks so much for taking the time to chat and um, looking forward to putting this out there and hopefully let people, uh, you know, be inspired. Yeah. Anytime you want to chat, man, I'm more than willing, you know, as long as it's after one o'clock. <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. See you guys next time. Thank you.